as this is Remembrance Sunday, we're breaking into our series in Jeremiah, and the Lord has given me a message from Genesis chapter 9, where we have the well-known accounts of Noah's flood and its aftermath. God judged the earth by bringing a flood. It wasn't a local event. It was the whole earth that was inundated. And it was only Noah and his family that was saved. They were in the ark. And in Genesis chapter 8, where we had our reading to begin with, the flood waters recede and Noah and his family step into a new world. And it must have been a wonderful feeling after being stuck in the ark for over a year. And the first thing Noah does is offer a sacrifice to God. His heart is so filled with thankfulness. And God then makes a promise to Noah, which is what we're going to look at this morning. He makes a covenant. Uh, that's like a treaty with Noah. And the promise says, I will never again flood the earth in this way. That doesn't mean to say that there won't be local floods and catastrophes, but God promises here he will never, ever again destroy the whole earth in terms of a flood. And God gives a sign, right? This is what we're going to look at. And it's something we're all familiar with, a rainbow, a rainbow as proof that he will keep to his promise. And God says, I will remember my covenants with you. That's why we're looking at this on Remembrance Sunday. It's not just about us remembering something, but God being reminded. So let me just read verse 12. Verse 12 of Genesis 9, this is the sign of the covenants which I make between me and you, you, Noah, and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, that includes us. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be the sign of the covenants between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature over all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy the earth. And he repeats it. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenants between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And as if we didn't need reminding, for the third time God says to Noah, this is the sign of the covenants which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. We've had some beautiful rainbows recently. I saw a double bow as I was driving down the M4 the other day. Stunning, stunning. What a sign. A rainbow of hope, as it is called. And during COVID, during the first lockdown, the rainbow was a very uh, vivid sign of hope. 
Now, isn't this a wonderful, wonderful promise to look at on Remembrance Sunday? We've just had COP26 in Glasgow, and God does say to Noah, you've got to look after the earth. We're to be good stewards of the creation. But I can say this morning with 100% certainty, because this is what God says here, that this earth is never going to be destroyed by global warming. God says, I will never again flood the earth. We will still have all sorts of local disasters, but what a promise here to perpetual generations. Never again will there be a flood. Now then, that's a hope, isn't it? A rainbow of hope for you and for me. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean to say we should just do what we want with the planets. We are here as stewards. This is God's planet, and we're to look after it. But we should never panic. Never again, God promises. But I want to bring an even greater, an even greater promise this morning. Uh, You know, human promises, human treaties, with the best of intentions, they can't be kept, can they? They will ultimately fail. Uh, Whether it's to do with climate or whether it's to do with wars. What, What was the treaty that was signed after the First World War? Was it the Treaty of Versailles? And wasn't it signed by the then world leaders Uh, with the intention that the war we've just had, the First World War, it was a war so terrible that we've all learnt our lesson now with the terrible tragedies of the trenches. That was the war to end all wars. It didn't take long, two decades or so later, for an even worse war to happen. So when we make treaties... We just can't keep them. We can't keep our own personal promises. But what a promise that God makes. He keeps his promise. And even though this promise that the earth will never again be destroyed by waters rising, there is an even greater promise which is signified by the rainbow. That's why I started our meeting this morning quoting from Isaiah where God referring to Noah's flood, talked of an even greater covenant. The covenant of my peace. Even though the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. And right at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, we have John being given a vision of Jesus Christ in heaven, and he is surrounded by a rainbow. That's what I want to mention. That's what I want us to look at this morning. This covenant of peace in Jesus Christ. This covenant of not being destroyed spiritually, right? Let's look at it. I've got three points, three reasons why this covenant, this treaty in Jesus Christ is the greatest thing ever. The first is this, the first reason. This covenant is with one person. Look at God's covenant with Noah. Uh, Where are we? 
chapter 9 of Genesis, verse 8. God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature. So everybody is involved in the covenants, the treaty that God makes with Noah, that he's never going to flood the earth again. Everybody is blessed uh, by that treaty. But look at how God does this covenant. Verse 11 uh, brings this out. It is with one person. Thus I establish my covenant with you, Noah. Never again shall all flesh be cut off from the earth. It's a covenant that affects everybody. But the covenant, the agreement is made between God and Noah. The greater covenant, the covenant of peace in Jesus Christ, is made between two persons, God the Father and Jesus Christ, who is God the Son. Um, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. And it's not about the earth being flooded. It's about something even bigger. Let me just read some words of Jesus. He said in John's Gospel, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose no one, but should raise him up on the last day. Isn't that amazing? God the Father and God the Son entered into a treaty, and it can't be broken, that whoever, whoever comes to Christ, they will be saved. They will not be destroyed. God's judgments won't come upon them, but they shall be raised up and they shall dwell in a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that wonderful, my friends? Isn't that wonderful? Um, let me give you an illustration here. Jesus Christ is a surety in the covenant. A surety is a legal term. Let me explain it. Um, Richard Acrill was a surety once. Uh, he agreed to stand for somebody. It was somebody seeking asylum in this country. And uh, Richard had to be a surety for that person. So if this person, um, for whatever reason, uh, ran away, then Richard would have to uh, pay the price. That's what a surety does. Uh, a surety stands in for that person and that's what Jesus Christ became in this covenant uh, not just uh, to do with the physical world but to do with our souls this immortal part of us our souls at death go on to eternity and the Bible says man is appointed men women children are appointed once to die and after that we have to stand before God in judgment Noah's flood was a judgment but that was just prefiguring the last judgment. And we deserve God's judgment. And this is the hope that the covenant of grace has in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the surety in that covenant. So he stands in our place instead of us taking the judgment of God upon ourselves, which is what we deserve. Jesus is the surety. 
He takes all the blame. The author to the Hebrews said, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant, a better covenant, even than that God with Noah made. There was a hymn writer called Joseph Irons. He lived many, many years ago. And he just was amazed by this. This is why our greatest hymns are about Jesus Christ being our surety, paying our debts. This is what Joseph Irons wrote. What sacred fountain freely springs from the throne of God and all new covenant blessings springs. What is it? It's Jesus' precious blood. The blood points to him dying as our surety in my place condemned he stood. What mighty sum paid all my debts when I a bankrupt stood and has my life in credit set, it's Jesus' precious blood. Is Jesus your surety this morning? Either we are going to have to pay the debts for our sin, and because we've sinned against an eternal being, it is eternal punishment. Or Jesus Christ has become your surety and mine, don't you want Jesus Christ as your surety? So that's the first reason. This is a covenant made between God and one person, Jesus Christ. It's not about us trying to uh, uh, make a fresh start. We can't do it. We can't do it. It's not about us trying to covenant with God. There's a place for doing that as believers, but we can't do that in order to be saved. We just can't. We don't have the power. And we're dead in trespasses and sins. It has to be Jesus Christ alone. So the next reason. It's not just a covenant between one person. It's a covenant of pure grace. It's a covenant of pure grace. We all know the definition of grace, I hope, by now. It means undeserving favor. You give something to somebody that doesn't deserve one penny, right? You shower gifts upon somebody who may even be your enemy. That's grace. That's grace. It's a wonderful concept. The Bible is grace from beginning to end. And even God's covenant with Noah is a covenant of grace. I know Noah was a righteous man. Imagine preaching for decades and have nobody believe you apart from your close family. That, that's what Noah was enabled to do. He preached about God's judgment, about the deliverance in the ark, and only his close family believed him. Noah stood up for righteousness for generations at a time when people were going the opposite way. And we can think, ah, God must have made this covenant with Noah because he was a righteous man. But that's a complete misunderstanding of Noah. We're told in the New Testament that it was by faith that Noah became righteous. Uh, when God looked at the earth before the flood and saw that it was only evil in man's heart from his youth, evil continually, that included Noah. Everybody was in the same position. And it was God's grace that made Noah different. 
And when it comes to this greater covenant, the covenants in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's all of grace, my friend. It's grace from beginning to end. It's 100% grace. Now, what does that mean? By grace, you have been saved through faith. And even that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at what God says here. I'm just bringing out God's words to Noah and applying it to the greater covenants of Jesus Christ and his grace. Look at verses 8 to 11 again, if you've got a Bible. Look at the words that God uses. As for me, behold, look, look, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And then go over a few verses. Verse 11. I establish my covenant with you. Verse 12. This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. Verse 13. I set my rainbow in the cloud. Verse 14. When I bring a cloud over the earth and the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you. Uh, and then verse 16, I will look on the rainbow to remember the everlasting covenants between God and every living creature. Verse 17, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. There is nothing here about Noah's contribution. There is nothing in terms of Noah keeping his parts, that God will keep his parts. Uh, even after Noah was given this wonderful covenant, this wonderful promise, do you know what Noah did? Do you know what Noah did? He built a vineyard, and he made wine, and he drank too much of it, and he got drunk. <laughs> it had to be grace. Otherwise, there would have been no hope for Noah. So even the words of the covenant, they are the result of Noah sacrificing to the Lord. It's on the basis of a sacrifice, the surety that Jesus is, that God is able to make this covenant. And this covenant is all of God, all of grace. I will. What comes to your mind when you hear those two words? I will. Is it what you will do? I will try and do better. I will pray more. I will attend the meetings more. I will not do that again. Or is it the I wills of God? Here's Mr. Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, 19th century Baptist preacher. He who knows the difference between you shall, God commanding, and I will, God's promise, is a good theologian. The old covenant of works is you shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal. 
Death always comes to us by the covenant of command. But the covenant of grace is I will, not me, but I, God, I will, I will, and life comes to us by its promises. The covenant of grace says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your iniquities. I will save you. Your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. And Spurgeon went on to say, oh, I want to say with him, oh, dear friends, one's heart rejoices to think of these potents, shalls, and wills of a God who cannot lie. It's not if. If we do that, then God will forgive us. It's I will. And then the blessing comes to us. Look at the remembering here. The rainbow, the sign of the covenants, uh, it's not a remembrance to us only, is it? It is, of course. When we look at the rainbow, we can reassure ourselves because God has promised that there will never again be a flood that will destroy the world. And when we look at Christ dying on the cross, we can be absolutely certain that if we have fled to him, that we are no longer under the judgment of God. There is a remembrance on our part. But look, the emphasis here is on God remembering. Uh, I've read the verses already. Verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember. I will need to be reminded, says God. Isn't that encouraging? It's not even whether we can remember we forget, don't we? We forget Christ, even as his people. But God doesn't forget. Uh, God's memory is what matters. Our memories are fickle. I get people's names wrong all the time. But God doesn't. Uh, God. God. It's all God. Uh, Spurgeon again. My looking to Jesus brings me joy and peace. But it's God's looking to Jesus which becomes my salvation. And that's of all his elect. For it is impossible for God to look at Christ, our bleeding surety, and then be angry with us for sins already punished in him. Where is God looking this morning? when it comes to you. Either God is still seeing you as a sinner and you're condemned because you're carrying the guilt of that sin. The soul that sins shall die. Or God is no longer seeing you as a sinner because he's seen Christ bearing your sin. To look on him God the just is satisfied to look on him hanging on the cross and pardon me. Can, can you see, my friend, why this covenant in Christ is all of grace? It's all of grace. We don't contribute anything to it. Uh, when I was a boy, we still had half pennies. 
and we still had half pennies. Do, do you remember half pennies? I know some of you remember shillings and whatever the <laughs> currency was. I can't remember that, but I can remember half pennies. I remember going into a sweet shop once and asking uh, the man, did he have anything for free? And he looked at me. And then I said, do you have anything for half a penny? And he said, no. Listen, we don't even contribute half a penny to our salvation. Christ has paid the debts. And he's offering it to us for free. Praise God. And then one last point. This is a covenant between God and Christ. Just as it was between God and Noah. This is a covenant of pure grace. It's not dependent on us. It's the promise of God that counts, just as it was with Noah. And finally, it's a covenant of peace, isn't it? A covenant of peace. The rainbow rainbow when you see a rainbow you know that the worst is over uh, what do you need to have a rainbow you need rain <laughs> you need probably clouds which go together don't they rain and clouds and then you need the sun that combination that combination if you just have the rain and the clouds and no sun, there won't be a rainbow. If you just have the sun and no rain or clouds, there won't be a rainbow. You need all three. Now, in the Bible, as with Noah's flood, the rain stands for God's judgment. In the authorized version, it's not the word rainbow that's used. It's the word bow, like bow and arrow. And that's a sign of God as a warrior. Again, God's judgment. So it's this peace that comes. The peace of the gospel isn't a wishy-washy peace. It's not a peace that says, ah, yes, God is like a father Christmas up there in heaven. And he just doesn't mind uh, when we do wrong. And he'll just forgive us in the end. He'll just wink at our sin. He'll just brush it all under the carpet. That's not the kind of peace that this covenant in Jesus Christ is all about. Oh, no, there is the rain, there is the cloud, there is the judgment of God. And it wasn't on Noah's uh, watch during the flood that the judgment was at its worst. The judgment of God was at its zenith on Mount Calvary. When Jesus hung on the cross, that's when hell really came down to this world. I know people said that the trenches during the First World War was the closest you could find to hell, and it was awful from what I've read in uh, the histories and from what I've read from the war poets. It was awful, awful. But it was worse on Calvary because Jesus Christ on that cross as our surety, he not only tasted death, he took the punishment for our sins. That's why Jesus sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. The agony was intense because he knew what God's wrath was like. And he had it condensed for three hours. 
Imagine having an eternal hell for an eternal infinite number of people condensed for three hours. And through his sacrifice comes peace. Peace, forgiveness to you and me. The bow in the rainbow. Where is it pointing? Where is it pointing? It's not pointing down to earth. It's pointing up to heaven. Where's the arrow? Where's the arrow? There's no arrow. The arrow's already been fired. Where's the arrow been fired to? Not to you and me. We are the ones who deserve God's judgments. The arrow's been fired to heaven. The arrow's been fired to God's very heart. The arrow has been fired on God's only begotten Son. That's how much it cost him to make us sinners whole. And I don't know if my imagination is taking over here, but when I see the rainbow, it's not just the amazing colors that assure me of peace, but it's the fact that the bow, it's as if God has thrown his bow down. There is peace, there is peace. Because my justice has been satisfied because of what my son did. You don't need to doubt whether the father wants you to be saved. Some people have a harsh view of the father. They think of God the father as some hard person and God the son as the one who loves. And God the son, Jesus is in heaven trying to plead with the father to be merciful. Oh no, God the father sense the son the son was willing to be a sacrifice but god the father was in it as well the rainbow is like the bow being discarded there can be peace now peace between us sinners and a holy god have you been to the nationalized edward in wales the greatest cultural event in the welsh language world and the high point of the nationalized Edward is the chairing of the bard. I went to the ceremony once. I had some friends from Korea over, so I wanted to take them uh, to uh, this ceremony. Uh, and during the chairing of the bard, you have the archdruid. Now, don't get all worried here. Uh, this is <laughs> Yolo Morganug's uh, uh, idea from the 19th century. You have the archdruid. And the most recent archdruid was a Christian. And the archdruid takes the sword. And he takes the sword out of the scabbard. And he cries out to all the people in the ceremony. Translated, is there peace? And everybody says in unison, Heduch. And the sword is put back in its scabbard. And then the archdruid does the same again. Holds up the sword. And everybody cries out, And then it happens a third time. My friend, on Calvary, God the Father is declaring, There is peace. 
peace to whoever will come to Jesus Christ. What about you? What about me? Are we still fighting against God? Are we still trying to run away? That's what we're doing all our lives. We're trying to run away from our guilty consciences. We're trying to run away from the hound of heaven. But we know in our hearts of hearts that if we were to die like this, then we would be lost forever. Stop running. Stop running. And say, Lord, I'm the sinner. I'm under your judgments. And I deserve hell. But I thank you for this covenant, this treaty in your son, Jesus Christ. And for the fact that he's inviting me, even me, to come and believe in him. The moments, moments you touch Christ, there is peace. There is peace. Oh, perfect redemption. Redemption is a purchase. The purchase of blood to every believer. The promise of God. The vilest. Are you vile this morning? We don't feel vile, do we? But we are. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. The rainbow of hope. Yes, God will never again flood the whole world. Let us not panic in that regard. We have a message of hope. But more than that, there is a greater covenant treaty that in Jesus Christ and may every one of us just like Noah's family had to come into the ark to escape the flood may every one of us here not just come to church it's good to be in church but it's not the same as being in Christ let us be found in Jesus Christ and know that hope for his name's sake now we're going to sing about that. I can't remember, it is, it's not in Christ alone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, that means the sweetest feelings, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.
Father, we praise Thee this morning that our feet are on that rock of ages. And we just pray, O oh God, that anyone here this morning who is still uh, on uh, sand, that they will uh, be found uh, in Christ as well. Uh, oh Lord, we just praise Thee for Thy promises, Thine oath, Thy covenants, that that is all in the end that saves and that matters. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.